there may be some things in your life that you've gotten used to looking at. There's some things in your life that don't look very good. And you've just kind of gotten used to it. You don't even realize it, how bad it might be. You've ignored it. You've neglected it for so long. Perhaps you've gotten used to looking at it. I think we all have areas in our lives that we'd like to change. If we'll take the time to think about it. I think we all have areas in our lives that we'd like to change. Whether it's in our relationships, it may be in our work, or maybe even in our walk with God. Things we'd like to stop doing, but can't. Things we'd like to start doing, but we haven't. Things we wish we could do better, or maybe even do over. Mount Airy Makeover is basically a, our attempt to identify those areas that are not what they should be. To identify those areas in our lives, to identify those areas in our marriages, to identify those areas in our home, to identify those things that we've gotten used to seeing and we know they're not right, we know they're, they're, not, they're not good, but we've kind of gotten used to seeing it and it's something that we need to address. Here's what I want you to know, it's not too late to change. It's not too late to have a makeover. It's not too late to experience victory. It's not too late to see real, tangible change. Now, if God is going to do a renovation in us, where do you suppose we ought to begin? I think the starting point is this. The starting point to renovating our lives is to realize how desperately we need Jesus. On the last night of Jesus' life, the night before the cross, that was the topic of conversation. How desperately we need Him. Would you open God's Word with me to John chapter 15? John chapter 15. Before we read our text, I want to give you the context because I want you to be able to feel the weight of the words that Jesus spoke on this last night. And in order for you to, to really feel the weight of the words in John 15, you actually need to go back and look at chapter 13. So just put your finger there in chapter 15. Go back to chapter 13. Let me begin to try to paint the picture of what that night was like, what the setting was like. John chapter 13, beginning verse 1. It was just before the Passover feast, and Jesus knew that the time had come for him to leave this world and to go to the Father. Now, first of all, get that in your mind. The time had finally come. The time he had come for. The time he had anticipated, perhaps every day of his life. The time had finally come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. And so on that night, he gathered his disciples, his last night with them. He sat down with his disciples. And it says, having loved, verse 1, second part, Having loved his own who were in the world, he now showed them the full extent of his love. The evening meal was being served, and the devil had already prompted Judas Iscariot, son of Simon, to betray Jesus. So we understand as we read these first two verses that this is the last night of his earthly life. This is the night he will be betrayed. 
This is the night he will go to the Garden of Gethsemane and pray, Father, if it's possible, let this cup be passed from me. This is the night he will be arrested. And the next morning, he'll be crucified. So he's at the upper room. He's about to leave to walk towards Gethsemane. He's about to leave to walk towards his arrest. And on the way, here's what we read. Look in chapter 14. Chapter 14, the last verse of chapter 14. Here's what we read. Come now, let us leave. That is, let us leave this place where we're having the Lord's Supper, this place where we've spent these last hours together. Come now, let us leave. And then we come to our text, chapter 15, verse 1. I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit, He prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You're already clean because of the word I've spoken to you. Remain in me, and I will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, and you are the branches. If a man remains in me, and I in him, he'll bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not remain in me, he's like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me, and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish, and it, shall, it will be given you. Verse 8, this is to my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. If you've ever traveled, if you've ever gone out of town like flying somewhere and your spouse has taken you to the airport, uh, you understand what this passage is all about, really, uh, though it's so much deeper in, in what the Lord said. But you understand if, if you go to the airport and your spouse is taken to, to the airport, especially if you're going to be gone for a while, uh, you always leave final instructions. You talk about, well, be sure to do this and don't forget that. And, and if you need me, call this number and this is where I'll be. And, and as you're leaving, as you're driving to the airport, leaving home, your last few moments with your spouse, you're giving those important final words. On this night, Jesus was walking towards Gethsemane. He was walking towards the cross. And in those final few moments with the disciples, I believe he probably actually walked by a vineyard and probably stopped there. Wanted to give them one final lesson. One final thing he needed to tell them before he left them. And the thing that was so important was this. Perhaps looking at the grapevine and maybe holding the leaves in his hand, he says, guys, I want you to know something. I am the true vine. My father is the gardener. He saved this one important lesson, probably the most important lesson he might ever teach them. He saved this lesson for the last. And as we look at this text, I'm going to read part of it again. I want you to listen for a word that is repeated. And I want you to count as I'm reading and see how many times you see this word. Again, with the word picture in your mind, standing perhaps at a vineyard, looking at the plants, this is what Jesus said, beginning in verse 4. Remain in me and I will remain in you. 
No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine and you are the branches. And if a man remains in me and I in him, he'll bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not remain in me, he is like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. And if you remain in me, and my words remain in you, ask what you wish, and it will be given to you. Now talk to me, church. What word did you see repeated in that text? Remain. And if you have perhaps the King James Version or some other version, it may say abide. Here's what I want you to think about. Jesus said in four verses, he used the word remain or the word abide. In four verses, he used that word eight times. On this last night, in his final hours with his disciples, there's one word that he repeated to them eight times. Now, if he told us once, that would be sufficient. If he told us twice, that would be a good reminder. But if he told us three or four times, that would be enough to get our attention. But eight times? Eight times? That should be enough to make us curious about what this word means and why it's so important. Do you think maybe Jesus was saying, I want to make sure you get this? And so he told his disciples, not just once, not just twice, not just three times, eight times he uses the word Remain. That should be enough to make us curious about what that word means and why that word is so important to them and so important to you. So let me describe to you today in our time together, let me describe to you what that word remain means. First of all, it means constant contact. You see this in verse 4. It's so plain in verse 4. The constant contact he's speaking of. Verse 4 he says, Remain in me. And I will remain in you. And no branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. Uh, Now, ladies and gentlemen, I've done a lot of studying as I prepared for this message. And I can tell you that there are lots of pages written about what that word remain means. In fact, there are books written about what that word remain means. But it's not supposed to be that complicated. It really is not that complicated. Jesus said, I am the vine, you are the branches, stay attached to me. Stay attached to me. You see, the branch needs the vine all the time, doesn't it? Does that make sense? The branch needs the vine all the time. In fact, I would ask you to underline something in your Bibles. Take your Bible, take your pen, and in verse 4, would you underline the first three words of verse 4, at least in the NIV translation. The first three words in in verse 4 are, Remain in me. The essence of the Christian life are in those three words. The essence of the Christian life is Jesus. And the most important thing in your life should be your personal, intimate relationship with Jesus Christ. Ladies and gentlemen, everything else flows out of that. You know what I found in my life? I have found in my life that, and maybe you found this true in your life too, 
And, and if so, maybe you could encourage me by saying amen. And I'll just know, yes, pre- preacher, that's me too. What I found in my life is that I am better at activity than I am at abiding. I'm better at being busy than I am at being connected. And here's why we have to get better at that. Here's why you need this message today. In the second part of verse 4, Jesus said, No branch can bear fruit, what's the next two words? By itself. No branch can bear fruit by itself. On his last night with his disciples, Jesus did not say a word about long-range planning. He didn't say a word about evangelistic strategies. He didn't say a word about starting a church. Now, he could have because he had big plans for them. In fact, he was about to give them a responsibility that was enormous. He was about to tell them a little bit later, just a few days later, listen, I'm going to have you go and make disciples of all the nations. I mean, what he was about to commission them to do was beyond their ability and their imagination. He could have said, now guys, this last night together, we need to talk about how you're going to do this. Guys, on this last night together, I need to talk to you about how to plant a church. To which they would have said, question, what's a church? We don't have any of those. On this last night, he could have laid out this great long, long-range planning strategy. He said, okay, here's how we're going to... Peter, you're in charge of... James, you're in charge of this. Thomas, I need you to take this. On that last night, he didn't do any of that. On that last night, as he was walking towards Gethsemane and towards the cross, he stopped, I believe, probably at a vineyard, and as he looked at the branch and he looked at the vine, and then he looked at them... And he said, remain in me. You'll never make it if you don't. What I'm going to ask you to do in a few days, you'll never be able to do it if you don't. The challenges you're going to face because you are my followers, you'll give up if you don't remain in me. You see, Jesus said to his apostles, Guys, the one thing I want you to get, the last thing I want to leave with you is this. Put your relationship with me first. Above everything. Constant contact. And he gave them that visual lesson of constant contact. It's it's a lesson I'm sure that probably as they were walking Days later, months later, years later, as they would walk across the countryside, I am sure that when they saw a grapevine, they likely remembered those words. Remain in me. I I wonder if if Peter or John or any of them ever stopped by the grapevine and just kind of let their hands trace across the branches and how it's connected to the vine. I wonder if they ever stopped there and just kind of looked at it, put their hand on it, if they didn't hear their master's voice again. Remain in me. Constant contact. What needs to change in your life? What are the areas where you would like to see a renovation? 
Something in your heart, something in your life, something in your home, something in your marriage. I don't know what it is, but I can tell you where the starting point is. The starting point is right here. Make your relationship with Jesus Christ the priority in your life. Constant contact. The word remain also implies one other thing. It implies absolute dependence. Look what Jesus said in verse 5. I am the vine, and you are the branches. And if a man remains in me, and I in him, he will bear much fruit. And apart from me, you can do nothing. Again, this is not complicated. If you've ever been in your backyard and, and you've seen branches blown off the tree, laying on the ground, severed from the tree, you understand that that branch is useless now. You understand that that branch is not going to do anything now. It's not going to produce anything. Imagine a grape, a grape branch severed from the vine, lying on the ground. It would be impossible, not unlikely, be impossible for that branch to produce even one grape. And that's why Jesus said in verse 5, Apart from me, you can do nothing. Apart from me, you can do nothing. You might want to underline that in your Bible. Apart from me, you can do nothing. He didn't say, apart from me, it's going to be a little harder. He didn't say, apart from me, you'll, you'll struggle a little bit more. He said, apart from me, you can do nothing. I love what William Barclay says about this. William Barclay says, We must arrange life in such a way that there is never a day when we give ourselves a chance to forget Him. We must arrange our lives in such a way that there is never a day that we give ourselves a chance to forget Him. Isn't that why we need a makeover in our lives? What needs to change in your life? Isn't it true that the things that got messy in your life got messy after you kind of got away from the vine? Isn't it true that because you ignored the simple strategy of constant contact and absolute dependence on Jesus, that that's where your struggle started? Most of the problems in our life can be traced back to that one problem. We got away from the vine. But before you get any farther from Him, and before you get any weaker, before you become even more vulnerable, may I encourage you today to come back to Him. You see, your time with Jesus has to move from when I can get to it to this is a non-negotiable in my life. Constant contact, absolute dependence, remain in Him, abide in Him. I have to start there if I'm ever going to have anything change in my life. Constant contact, absolute dependence. Without that, I will not be able to change anything in my life. See, ladies and gentlemen, and this is not just a sermon, this is truth. You and I need Jesus, don't we? Here's what I believe about you. I don't think you want to leave behind the legacy of a wasted life. I really don't. I don't think any of you want to leave behind the legacy of a wasted life. But that's what he talks about in verse 6. Look at what he says. If anyone does not remain in me, 
He's like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. This is a warning for all of us. It's a warning for all of us that our lives can become useless. It's a warning for all of us that no matter who we are, he said this to the disciples. Man, they had training like you wouldn't believe. They had the ultimate teacher. They had an experience with him that that none of us have ever had. They had quite a seminary training. They saw him do miracles. They watched him. They understood everything. They saw what he was teaching. And they, they just witnessed miracle after miracle. If anybody can hang in there, if anybody can, can go out and do it now, it ought to be them. And Jesus said to those guys who had spent probably the three most productive lives, or three most productive years in their lives, he said to those guys, listen, without me, you can do nothing. See, this is a warning for all of us. Because, listen, listen, listen. Everybody look at me. Here's a warning for all of us. Here's the reason. From time to time, for all of us, one of our greatest struggles is self-sufficiency. Here's what I mean by that. We are competent in what we do. And once we become competent in what we do, eventually we become confident in what we do. And listen, when we become confident in what we do, eventually that's exactly what you're going to get, what you can do, and nothing more. I've I've lived with this passage this week and just been reminded again how easy it is to get away from the simple truth of constant contact and absolute dependence. Maybe you can relate to this. We, we all start out kind of like this. If, if we're going to do anything for the Lord, if, if you'll let my left hand represent my ability and my right hand represent my dependence on Jesus. When I first started out in ministry, here's the way it looked. Ability was down here. Dependence was way up here. I was a 17-year-old little kid who had hair on his head and was scared to death. I'm telling you, folks, I was so... I can't describe to you how nervous I was when I first started in ministry and I first started preaching. I cannot describe to you how nervous... So, So I had... I had little to no ability and absolute dependence. Now watch what happens. Watch my hands. Go to Carson Newman College. Get a little bit of an education there with a bachelor's degree. Go to Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary. Get a master's degree. Go to New Orleans Baptist Theological Seminary. Get a doctor's degree. And now my ability... And my dependents are about equal. And that's not a bad thing. This is not a bad place to be. In fact, this is a pretty good place to be sometimes. It's where I have prepared myself. I have learned. I've experienced. Uh, I've preached more now. And, and now I've gotten to the point where my ability and my dependents are, are kind of equal. And that's not a bad thing. But guess what happens? 
eventually people start saying, you know what, you, you did good. And you start getting busy with life. And you start saying, yeah, I, I can handle it. And, and before long, what used to be ability of dependence becomes ability of dependence. We end up getting what we can do rather than what he can do. And you don't have to be a preacher for that to happen to you. It can happen to you. It can happen to anybody. When you first start walking with the Lord, you've got little ability, but you've got great dependence. Little ability, but, but great dependence that God's going to deliver you. Little ability, but great dependence that God's going to help you. But over time, if you're not careful, we become competent. And then we become confident. And we lose our dependence on Him. That's why Jesus said on His last night with His disciples, right before He went to Gethsemane, right before He went to the cross, He said, I am the vine, you're the branches. And if a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Sometimes we all know the barrenness of a busy life. The barrenness of trying to produce something. The word remain, the word abide is very, very simple. Constant contact, absolute dependence. When we get away from that very simple truth, we find ourselves in need of a makeover. Let me describe remain to you this way. Remain means, remain is a deliberate decision. It is a daily decision. And sometimes it'll be a difficult decision. There'll be consequences. And it's going to be hard. But it's worth it because, let me show you why it's worth it. Look at verse 16. Here's what I want for you and here's what I want for me. And this is what I want for our church. Verse 16. He says, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you to go and bear fruit. And then notice this, fruit that will last. That's what I want. That's what I long for. That's what I want to work for, fruit that will last. Constant contact, absolute dependence. I need Jesus. So do you. It might be time for you to switch hands. It might be time for you to get back to the most simple of all truths. But the reason that you've got that addiction in your life is because you got away from the vine. The reason that the old you began to resurface, you got away from the vine. The reason that there is barrenness, though you're very busy, you got away from the vine. 
the reason that you're working hard but producing hardly anything at all. You got away from the vine. The reason that your life seems so dead and so empty and it's just going through the motions. You got away from the vine. Constant contact. Absolute dependence. That's the starting point for God doing something in your life. Think of it this way. When the vine is attached, when the branch is attached to the vine, it can experience what the vine has. You see, you have all the resources you need in Jesus. The fact is, You've just gotten away from him sometimes. The vine has all the resources that the branch needs to produce fruit. It is not the branch's responsibility to produce the fruit. It is the branch's obligation to just stay connected. And the vine will produce the fruit. Constant contact. Absolute dependence. That's where it needs to start for you. That's where it needs to start for me. That's where it needs to start for our church if we're ever going to have God do a makeover. Would you join me as I pray about that? Father God, in the name of Jesus, in the name that is above every name, Thank you for reminding us again of how desperately we need you. Thank you for reminding us again that the simple truth that we cannot afford to get away from the vine. And when we do step away from the vine, our lives become messy. Our lives become out of order. The problems begin to multiply. The emptiness grows larger. The barrenness becomes more evident. I pray, Father, that today we would come back to you. That today we would get connected again. That today we would declare our dependence on you once again. Constant contact. Absolute dependence. May you produce yourself in us. And I pray that in Christ's name. And with every head still bowed. We're not going to do the traditional walk forward invitation. We'll do that some. We're not going to do it today. Dave's going to come and lead us in a song. And you can sit there with your head bowed. Or you can raise your head and sing along. But as we sing this song, it needs to be a time where you're making a commitment to the Lord. It's a time where you declare, God, I do need you. And I know that the struggles that I'm having are because I've gotten away from you. I know that the emptiness that that I'm having is because I'm not depending upon you. I know that the emptiness of my life or my ministry or in my Sunday school classes, it's because I've become competent and confident and I no longer depend upon you like I once did when I first started out with you. We all have the struggle of self-sufficiency. And on that last night, Jesus said, guys, don't do it. Don't try to do it on your own. Constant contact. Absolute dependency. In Jesus' name.